0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith, so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message.
1: What's up, church family? How we doing? Hey, how crazy is that new song? I'm, I, I, I'm almost got to compose myself for a second after that song. Hey, that's on our new album, and it releases next week, so watch social media. Get that song next week. It's crazy good. Hey, listen, let me say hi to all of our locations, all of our Denver-based locations. We love you so much. Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas, we love you, and hey, men and women at our Guide Behind Bars locations, you are every bit as much a part of this family as those of us in this room, we love you, we believe in you, thank you for joining us. And let me say hi to those of you who are joining us from literally thousands of locations in over 150 countries around the world, in living rooms, and dining rooms and kitchens and bedrooms and offices and cars and on hikes and bikes and treadmills. Man, we love you. We know this. The presence of a building is nice. And we love it. And RSVP, if you're in Denver today, and we'll get you in one next week if we can. But the presence of a building doesn't change our lives. The presence of our God changes our lives. And he's with you no matter where you're watching right now. He's got a plan and a purpose for you that's why you're here we're in this teaching series called legacy and and honestly here's where it came from every church I know including us for the last year we've been throwing pity parties for ourselves on professional levels And and rightfully so, we've been rocked by something that none of us have ever experienced. And we've spent a whole lot of time going, man, this is tough. Help me lean on God. Help me get through it. And we should, and I get it, but enough is enough. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna remind you, church, yeah, we got some uncertain stuff going on. Your job might look different, school looks different, sports looks different. Let me tell you what hasn't changed. He is still the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's on the throne right now. He's got a plan for your life, a calling for your life. Let's go change the world together. That's what I want to do. I want us as a church family to start looking forward again. And start going god help me live a life where i can change the world and and then leave a legacy behind me when i'm done that's what we want to do i have a the great honor of introducing a friend of mine today that's going to hang out and we're going to have a conversation and ever since i met this man i've been wanting to do this and church you've got to know we are incredibly fortunate to have this man with us today um i was like man i started listing out i had a whole page of reasons why i wanted. Pastor Lee Domain to be with us today. Number one is, in no particular order, he is, he works at the second largest church in the country. I think on a slow week, they got 50,000 people, something crazy. On a good week, it's through the roof. He works at the church. The title, you know what his title is? You can't make this up, Conrad. He's the legacy pastor. Somebody, yes, Lord, we'll go. We hear you. You know what I mean? We have to. He's the legacy pastor. And we're going to talk about what that means. But if you know our church family, here's what you know. We're not into trying to get the most popular people in the world on this stage. We don't we're not we're not into people with uh, the gift of eloquence or 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 peachy, uh, teaching and preaching resumes. What we're into is I want people on this stage whose passion for Jesus and building his kingdom will be contagious to you as a church. That's what I want, and that's what this man is. He's literally helping churches expand their territory and take over more ground for the kingdom of God in literally thousands of churches around the world. So church, oh, and, and he's got a southern accent that brings joy to my heart and makes me want to drink sweet tea. So. At every location where you make some serious noise for the one and only, Pastor Lee Domain. Come on, Jesus. Jesus. Love Come on. you, man. Love you. Love you, brother.
0: <laughs> Come on, somebody. I just heard roll tide. <laughs> Are you an Alabama fan? That's a long story. Uh-oh. You know, when God calls a Cajun, I'm from Louisiana. When God calls a Cajun to Alabama, it's like getting called to an unreached people group. It's a foreign country. It's a foreign country, yeah. man. They're all into football. Uh, but I, I'm an LSU Tiger. But my truth be known, my son, uh, one of my boys, is an athlete at Alabama. Okay. So I roll tide for the track team. So you have to. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> you have to. Hey,
1: so, so, so I'm a, you said I'd call you Lee. That's it. I'm just going to get real 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 close and personal, right off the jump. No pastor, just Lee. Just me. Man. Lee, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? And listen, uh, you, you guys don't know Lee like I do. He's very humble, <clears throat> and so I've asked him to kick this thing off. I've asked him to brag a little bit because I want you to understand the life that he has led and what he has been through and what he has walked away from and what God has called him to. I want you to, I want you to understand um, the... the I don't know how do you say it I, the, the level of of how God's using you I just and I want people to really understand like you're one of you one of us better than most of us unfortunately you're the guy we don't like very much cuz you're so good at everything
0: nah, I'm under construction it's like those roads <laughs> out there I still have a sign that says under construction you know I'm a work in progress if you really knew my story if you really knew uh, the journey is my story about serving the God of the second chance Come on. God's blessed me, and, and there's been some accolades and some success from a world's definition, but it wasn't until connecting to kingdom purpose that really everything changed. And so for me in my 20s, I, uh, I was always, a uh, true story, I'm six years old in the neighborhood, an ice cream man. I approached the ice cream man, and I cut a deal with him to front me the ice cream, and I sold it to the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, so I was like this little wheeler and dealer, just Come entrepreneurial on. at a young age, and you know, if they were selling lemonade, I was trying to figure out how to get them the lemonade mix. <laughs> and, uh, but I had this idea in my 20s, uh, really to create a virtual marketplace. Very commonplace now. Internet back in 91 was a theory, I guess. And, uh, but in 1993, really released the first platform that allowed for like virtual automotive sales and virtual uh, products being sold online where financing was involved. And uh, was very successful. Business went from zero to 50 million in two years, and uh, in my 20s, and then it all came crashing down. Wow. And uh, it was for two reasons. One was I honestly didn't have the character to handle the blessing that was on my life. Hmm. You know, we can pray a lot for things, but I think God protects us by not giving us all what we're praying for at that moment in time. And uh, in the natural, uh, I was a threat to the conventional way of doing that type of industry, and I disrupted it. And it's very commonplace now, but it wasn't then. But that season of losing that business was very, very hard for me. But I could allow it either to define me or refine me. Hmm. And I chose the latter. And uh, God did a great work, started another business out of a basement of a rent house. And uh, we're starting over eating peanut butter and jelly somebody a lot, (laughs) and uh, flip-flops and shorts, you know, and uh, but I came up with this concept of really taking. Uh, it was a financial technology play, and uh, you know, you go to some of these places like Bass Pro, you know, in Alabama, that's red, redneck heaven, y'all. Bass Pro <laughs> shop or Cabela's or whatever, or you go to an automobile place and you buy something. <laughs> Adam just said, "Amen." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you buy something on credit, and you finance it. It basically there's technology that does all the underwriting, fraud prevention, a lot of boring stuff, but very lucrative. And uh, created a process that took normally eight days down to minutes and patented. And then sold it to what is uh, the largest compliance company in the world. Ten years later, stayed on as CEO. um, And uh, my journey really started getting really cool at that point. I mean, I think it's the journey that makes you in life. Uh, God doesn't waste anything no matter what your situation is, no matter where your struggle may be, no, no matter you're saying, man, my shortcoming is this, that, and the other, God can take that. If you'll keep your heart soft yeah. and let it, let it really refine you. Don't yeah. let failures define you. You
1: know, Lee, you were, you were telling me about, about some of the highs and lows of that journey in the beginning. And I remember you said something and, and it really stuck out to me. I'd love for you to talk to us as a church family about it. You said, if I remember right, you had a dream to build a dynasty yeah, and you felt like God called you to build a legacy yeah, and that they were different.
0: You know, it's a, it's a big difference. You know, dynasty, that whole journey, and, and by the way, you know, been married 32 years to my amazing Wait, wife. Come Laura. on. And, and she's honestly, honestly, God, she's my secret weapon. My <laughs> wife didn't know half the businesses we were in, but she knew how to pray. And my wife knew me and all my shortcomings. And uh, she's my secret weapon. And so, uh, but we've got five kids and five grandbabies now. Congratulations. So So loving all of that, love being a a pops. My grandkids can't call me pops. They call me, it comes out instead of pops. They just come up to me and say, boss, boss, boss. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) boss. boss. So it's boss now. Um, So, but in my journey in business, you're trained in the world's view. You want to build a dynasty, whether it's a sports team, whether it's a business, honesty, whether it's a church, and even some ministries, they're like, no, I want to dominate. And, and they may not say it like that, but in their heart, they yeah. want to go seize it all. Yeah. Because it's never enough. So you, you get these stages, and you achieve these things, and it's never enough. It's a monster you can't feed. But watch this. When you're focused on dynasty, someone has to lose. When you're focused on dynasty, there's always collateral damage. When you're focused on dynasty, it's selfish. It's about you. It's about, well, I have to do this. It's not life-giving. There's a big difference between dynasty and legacy. Legacy's about the kingdom. It's about the father's institution, and it's selfless. Legacy is about building people, not running over people, Hmm. It's about leaving something. Really, I think we're going to be defined, honestly, as pastors, as leaders. How well did we raise up the next generation to replace us?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so my life, I'm, I'm focused at, I'm 56 now, which, by the way, whoever said fifties is new 30, they lied. 50's <laughs> 50 so is 50. am I'm 56 now, and I look at my life, and I'm focused a lot less on building or leaving a, you know, a third generation of wealth and more on a third generation of faith. Come on. And I refused at, at 50 years old. I had a halftime moment. I've had some defining moments, but at 50 years old, I had this halftime moment that I wanted to give my life away and no longer just focus on dynasty but leave a legacy and then help other people on that same journey. And... Uh, it, one of my mentors told me when I was young and in that first business, I had my I mean my hair on fire, man. I was going 100 <laughs> miles an hour. Uh, I needed somebody to knock me upside the head, really. But uh, so he looked at me because his, his son, he said, uh, are you being led or are you being driven? Hmm. And I told Pastor, I said, Pastor Curry, you know, kind of got jacked up like a little banny rooster, <laughs> and I was like, I'm driven. I'm going to go be successful, and I'm going to fund the kingdom of God. So I had to throw in a little God in there and all that. (laughs) And uh, he said, man, that's the wrong answer, son. He says, don't you know that the Holy Spirit leads, but demons drive? Wow. And I think when you're driven, that's legacy mindset. I mean, excuse me, dynasty mindset. But I think when you're led by the Spirit of God, it's all about legacy. Okay, so
1: I love that. How do you, let's say... Um, I've heard you say before, you're a businessman or woman when you just don't work at the church, that's who you're talking to, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and, and if I'm in business, whether I feel like I'm doing really well or I feel like I'm struggling, and I'm hearing you talk right now, I'm going, man, I, I might have spent a lot of years being driven and not led. Yeah. How do I make that, that switch?
0: Sure, I, I personally think that uh, one of my life scriptures is Colossians 1.16. And the summary of that, all Colossians 1 is all about the supremacy of God. But in verse 16, it basically says this. It says that we're created by God for God. And if you buy into Scripture as a believer, that mandates your life has to change. Because you're no longer doing things for your own achievement and just really trying to get a balance sheet or a financial statement that you have means to an end to have wealth, that one day you can do something great for God, you're never gonna do something great for God. And then you're gonna look back and you're gonna leave this carnage, this wake of carnage, because when you build a dynasty, there's always not only someone to lose, but your marriage, your kids, your health, something is gonna falter. Because it took a whole lot to do that. So you had to sacrifice something. So what I do is I try to tell people through my own experience of not only failing the first time, but also God's redemption in it. And uh, that's hence the second chance. But is connecting to something better. Don't just tell them, oh, you shouldn't do that. That doesn't work. Give them something better. And so for me, it was connecting to kingdom purpose And so everything changed that day when all of a sudden I started seeing my Monday through Friday as a holy, redemptive calling.
1: You're doing
0: ministry Monday through Friday. You're doing ministry. So every business person that's watching, every business person that's here, you have to understand what you do for a living matters. God's created you a certain way to use you. God's not schizophrenic. He didn't use you to create you one way to, to use you another. And so he's, he's created you for kingdom purpose, and so in that, it's simply being faithful to what's in your hand, and it's the key to what's in your heart.
1: And so how would you say then, I've got a business, or I'm in a business, mm-hmm. or I want to have a business someday, or I'm, I'm chasing down some, some, some goals, how do I... How do I turn that switch and go, I don't want to be driven, I want to be led, and I want to make sure that my Monday through Friday is ministry?
0: Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, uh, I was very generous in my church, uh, but I I would miss a lot of things. I couldn't go to men's night every time. I was trying to build a business. Uh, I couldn't go to certain, like maybe a Sunday service, I'd miss one a month or something. And the pastor and I were good friends, but I was avoiding him in the foyer. I'm a grown man. I'm like avoiding my pastor. Like I'm some kid that got caught smoking behind the church. And so I'm sitting here kind of navigating through that. And he comes up to me one day and he says, why are you avoiding me? And I'm like, man, I said, I'm so sorry. I've been working on this deal with Wells Fargo for two years. I'm trying to get it closed. It's gonna be amazing if I get it done. He stopped, he chuckled. He goes, are you kidding me? He goes, Lee, don't you know You can do more for our church closing that deal than you could coming to my men's night. And this changed my life. I want you to know that you are free to go Monday through Friday, go kick tail in the marketplace. Because I can set vision as a pastor, but you can set speed. You have the ability to accelerate vision as any business person. But what happens is, is, as business people, we don't know who we are. So to answer your question of how do you navigate from going down the road of dynasty to legacy, it's a great question. How You you have to know and figure out that why. You've gotta know, okay, if I'm created by God, for God, then what's my what for? And if God's created me for kingdom purpose, then there's two things have to happen. I've got my marketplace role, my job, what I do for a living, and then I've got my church life, ministry. Most of us compartmentalize, you told me that. You yeah. told me one time you felt like you are almost two different people. I was. You're, you're one person
1: at work and one person at church, and almost felt like you were being like disingenuous because
0: you, you didn't, yeah. didn't know you could be both. Yeah. It was, the journey is this, and I, think that, that, and I don't think the church intentionally does this, but I think, I think that many churches that we cause or create compartmentalization, and you have to have compartmentalization to be a great leader. Pastors have to go into a funeral with one perspective, immediately go to a wedding. They've got this, they've got all these different components, and it doesn't stop. Well, you've got to be able to compartmentalize in those moments. Well, what happens is when a a business person compartmentalizes, Monday through Friday, they talk differently, they act differently. I'm not in a boardroom saying, Hey, brother, I love you with the love of the Lord. (laughs) I mean, they would look at me like, Really? I mean, I talk differently on my Monday through Friday. And it's not that it's bad or in sin, but it's just different. So watch this. When I get to church, I talk differently, I act differently. Hey, brother, love you in the name of Jesus. Uh, This is my sister in the Lord and all this Christianese language (laughs) and all this stuff. Well, pastors speak one language, business people speak another. Pastors speak Mandarin, business people speak Cantonese. And so there's a separation between the two because they don't understand each other. And so I believe that there's a wall that's really been created that really I've given my life to bringing that wall down and becoming more of a translator between mm. those two worlds. And then what we're seeing by that is the, if the local church is the hope of the world, which is what I hear being said, it's not going to happen until a pastor and a business person come together. And I think in this season, in this hour, God is stirring up the hearts of business yeah. people and I think he's giving pa- pastors vision and reignited some things in them, but this partnership is critical. I'd say it this way. One of my mentors was the head coach of Colorado, Bill, Bill McCartney, okay. years ago. He founded Promise Keepers. Coach Mac lives in, uh, uh, right north of here. And so he said, Lee, he goes, this message that God's given you for churches and business people is to pastors and business people not to compete against one another, but to complete each other and we need each other now more than ever especially if one sets vision the other sets pace yeah and then if that business person can connect to kingdom purpose then there's fulfillment i know what it's like to have a sizable balance sheet but i know what it's like to have a balance sheet and be empty i sat in a church for years checking off my boxes i tithe i'm here my kids like me my wife still loves me i'm checking off all these boxes and i was still empty inside pastor i was sitting there going i don't know if i want this anymore what changed it is when i is that conversation the pastor told me and he spoke into me and he says i want you to know what you do matters and let me affirm you and release you in this calling in your marketplace anointing and i'm like this is amazing so I get a hall pass? He says, no, you need to be here when we're doing stuff. But if you're out doing kingdom work like that, know that I've got your back. And I'm affirming you in that and releasing you to do that. You see, when we see business people, we see what they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're just a business guy. You're just doing. And by the way, I don't care if you're working at Chick-fil-A, frying chicken, or you own 500 Chick-fil-A's. You're going to leave a legacy. And the legacy you leave is, the, is your choice. So this is not about just wealthy people. I think that the Bible's real clear that all of us have spiritual gifts. Yeah. Romans 12, 6 through 8 talks about different spiritual gifts. One of them is a gift of generosity. And we don't ever talk about that because, oh, well, money's involved. Yeah. Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven.
1: Yeah.
0: Because money is a, a tool to advance the kingdom because it's really all about souls. I call it E-R-O-I. In business, it's always about return on investment. We're in the kingdom of God through his local church. We're the only institution that offers an EROI, an eternal return on investment. So it's not good enough just to go rescue girls out of the sex trade. If you rescue all the girls out of the sex trade, it's noble for the moment. But if none of them come to Christ, we lose. So you've got to deal with both the physical need and the spiritual one, and that's where we all come in.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's so good.
0: Lee, how did you end up from big business to working at a church. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, remember I said the journey that makes you? <laughs> so when I sold my company, um, I took uh, a couple of years off. Okay. And I was just looking at life, trying to figure out what was next. And uh, looking back, God was detoxifying me of the adrenaline of the deal of business and uh, to prepare me for what I was doing. So I would speak at churches. I've always had a love for pastors. I've always had favor from pastors. And I've always had a love for the church. I think it's God's plan A, and I don't think there's a plan B. Um, And I've gone all into that. So I was looking at my life going, okay, what I'm going to do? Well, I'm helping these churches, and they're calling me, asking me to help them. Pastors saying, I don't understand my business people. Can you help me with that? So I started traveling and helping churches all over the country and speaking and doing Sunday services. And Well, these different churches, one of the churches was in Birmingham, and it was by my longtime friend, Pastor Chris Hodges who started that church, just a great, empowering leader, just uh, extremely generous, a wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, so he said, would you come and speak to my business leader? So I said, sure. So I go up to Birmingham and I speak, and my wife's with me, and we go have uh, uh, lunch. It was a breakfast. And so we go have lunch with them after, and we're, after we got back to the hotel, I never forget this. My wife and I walk in the hotel room. Now I'm a Cajun, y'all. I'm like, como se va, bien, me chatee I mean, I'm like, I'm caged. We eat everything fried, none of that. I mean, yeah, y'all can all, y'all may live five years longer eating good, but I'm gonna die with a good taste in my mouth. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Is, so, um, sorry, I got off on a little tangent there. But got back to the hotel and we looked at each other. And we said, at the same time, we looked at each, and said, we're supposed to be here. Hmm. And it scared the blank out of me. I'm Ronnie sit- would have said that, by the way. Huh? Ronnie would have just said yeah. whatever Man. you were thinking, about. So the way. So what I was thinking. And so, um, but I sat there and went, oh my gosh, we're supposed to be here. And we started crying. Hmm. And uh, God gave us a love for Birmingham, Alabama. I said, Lord, Beaver Creek? Was that Beaver Creek or was that Birmingham? <laughs> I think it was Beaver Creek. And uh, Vancouver, Canada. But Birmingham. And so we moved at 50 years old. Pulled our kids out of school. That's stuff you do when you like on fire for Jesus in your 20s and 30s, y'all. <laughs> and so I, I, we were sitting there at 50 years old. We got in a Penske truck, didn't sell our home in Louisiana, moved to Birmingham to volunteer and be on Dream Team. I was mm-hmm. not a pastor, I was not on a paid role, I was not employee. Um, I was serving. Everybody called me Pastor Lee, and after about the week, I'm like, yeah, I'm Pastor Lee. (laughs) Go and sin no more. God bless you. And so after about a a year, and Pastor Chris said, it's gonna take you a year to learn church life and our culture. I said, oh, I'll get it in three weeks. It took me 11 months. (laughs) And so after a year of serving, he said, you really wanna do this? I said, I know that home's the prize, y'all. And so if it can't work in my own church, I don't have anything to say. You really want to know not what I think or what I'm saying. You want to know what I've learned and what I've lived. That's where the authority comes from is yeah. when you've learned it and you've lived it. you got to yeah. have both. can't just learn it because we've got a lot of people that are learned it, but we don't have many people that are living it out, yeah. so you have to do both. And so after a year, became legacy pastor and uh, really helped them develop their whole legacy structure for the team. And... Uh, we have 1,028 people that are on our legacy team. And what those people are, it's no different than the amazing worship team, which I love that song that was sung that y'all wrote. That's crazy, That's, that's right? just amazing. They're really gifted. Um, and so we're basically like, well, y'all have a worship gift. I don't have that gift. Has God called me to be a worshiper? Yes. But some people have a unique gift. Well, in generosity, some people have the spiritual gift of giving. Well, there's no teams for them to serve on. So it fits with the, if their role is Monday through Friday going in the marketplace and working hard and, <clears throat> and providing resources and so forth, then there should be a team expression. We got them for ushers, we got hospitality, all of these things. And so we created this team and it's, uh, it's been amazing. And so we've seen not only the church advance, and I'd say it this way, most churches talk about what they're going to do and what they have. A legacy person. Wants to know what we could do if. yeah, That's a big, I call that vision gap. So you have dreams in your heart, you and Jill, yeah. that y'all talk about that you haven't shared. Yep. That are like, and it's like, well, you know, I got to wait for the right timing. Y'all aren't done yet. This is the floor, not the ceiling of what God has for that. Red Rock Church. I believe, I believe that. that. And so, um, you know, as I was praying, just really believe in God for even before we got here. That And I was very excited and just really honored because not only do y'all do a phenomenal job, but just the gift that you have and the gift you are to the body of Christ, brother, is, uh, is a blessing and refreshing. Because mm, there's no air about you. And so you are, you are fresh air in the body of Christ. And so keep on breathing and keep on shouting and keep on just having, having an amazing time. So, thank you, yeah. thank you. Hey, church, real quick, this was not the purpose of this,
1: but you just did such a great job of explaining it. I thought I'm going to Can I tell the church what we've been working on behind the scenes? I have, um, I, you know, I didn't, you guys know, I didn't grow up in church and, and I've always had a hard time as a pastor, um, when it comes to, uh, business people. And I've had a hard time in my heart trying to figure out, well, how do they, how do they get involved in the church? And, and almost, the 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 more responsibilities you have in business, the less likely I might be to think you might have a spot in the church because i 'm thinking you 're so busy you yeah. you can't you can 't commit to certain things you 're so busy and, and i 've never wanted anyone to feel like we love you and want you to be a part of the church because you might be good at business or you yeah. might have means i've never wanted that and so to a fault um, we 've never created anything uh, uh in the way of like a serving opportunity or a team where if you feel like, man, I have the gift of giving and I don't have a place to operate in my gift. Well, Amen. I want you to know if this is your church, that's going to change. And Red Rocks Church Legacy Team is coming in the near future. So stay tuned. Amen. And if you feel like you have the gift of giving and you've never felt like you have a place to plug in the church, that's going to change. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and
0: Lee is, is helping us um, build that out. Well, you know, you have to if you speak one dialect and a business person speaks a different dialect, I think it's upon us to really, Jesus didn't say to Peter, come in, my, come in my office and it's really cool and it's got marble everywhere and gold and look at the picture of autograph of me and God. He didn't do that. He said, Peter, let's go fishing. So he met Peter where he was at. And I think we as the church need to create an ecosystem for business people to connect the kingdom purpose at the speed of their world not the demands of a project.
1: Does that make sense? Yes,
0: sir. And so what happens, then as you take a next step, there's communication components. For someone like on a legacy team, we send out reporting all throughout the year. The vision of a church is broken up in five areas. It's projects, brick and mortar, buildings, campuses, next generation, it's local, national, global initiatives, missions, outreach. Well, we've got to communicate. You've got to have a vehicle that speaks the language of the business person okay. to communicate in something that resonates with them. So we created these communication tools. For example, if you and I were going to do a business deal together, we're going to buy an apartment complex, and I'm the real estate guy. Okay. You're an investor, and we 50-50 in the deal. And I say, look, you put up your money, and we close on it. And I said, okay, trust me, brother, I got this. I'm going to report to you once a year how we doing?" You're going to look at me and go, <laughs> exactly. You're going go, well, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, But yet, most churches will give an annual report, mm, which is phenomenal. So good. But if you're a legacy team person and you're looking for ways to fulfill the what we could do if, I want to see the tangible difference being made. Red Rocks is doing amazing work. But what happens, John Osteen, Joel's dad, said this. He says, never stop speaking for what you take for granted. And in the church life, we're so busy helping people. We're so busy pouring out our lives 24-7 helping people. But we've got to capture the impact being made and then communicate it in a tangible way that's saying, no, oh, we help people in this outreach. No, we helped 322 people in this outreach. 118 got saved. See, you can't manage what you don't measure. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've got to be able to measure it and show outcomes. And I think when the church harnesses that, and is able to deliver those outcomes, it resonates with a business person. The local church <clears> is like a kingdom mutual fund. Yeah. Think about it. You send it to one place, and it impacts all these areas. It's a balanced portfolio in real estate, next generation students, local, national, and global outreach and initiatives. And so I look at it, as like, wow, let's not tell people they have to give to the church. No, we're gonna show you the difference we're making and you're gonna sit there and say, no, I want some of that E-R-O-I. Yeah, yeah.
1: Church, that's where we're headed. That's why we brought him <laughs> in. <clears throat> hey, before we close, man, we were talking about something in the, in, the, in the office a minute ago and I know we said we might not have time to get to it, but it was so good. Although, as I said today, I'm not trying to keep having a 2020 pity party, right? We know things have gotten tough. We know all that stuff. I wanna move forward. And, and you, you, you were talking to me about that in the office and you said the word, I think, revision was your term. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and how sometimes we, we, need to, we need to remind ourselves who we are Because yeah. I think what you said. Yeah, when, when, and when
0: COVID hit. Will, yeah. you,
1: will you share that with the yeah. church? Because I thought that was so good for all of us, whether we are, we lost a job, have a great job everywhere in between,
0: whatever's going on. I think it applies to all of us. When COVID hit, I had all these engagements, all of them got canceled, and I'm sitting here going, okay, what am I going to do? Because I'm a pretty high-strung person. You know, my son Harrison's with me. He can validate that, and my wife definitely can. And so I got to be busy doing something, and I've got that little OCD-ness too as, uh, as well. But I'm sitting here, and I'm going, man, all right. I started, my mind started wondering after a couple of weeks, because everybody was kicking the can. Two weeks later, it's going to be gone. Two weeks. And I mean, would somebody tell me the truth? <laughs> I just want decisive leadership. Can somebody help me? And, uh, and I remember after about three or four weeks, man, my mind was starting to get into the gutter. I'm starting to think just, it just, I had fear. I had just different emotions, I'd say. And I remembered something my pastor told me when I left baton rouge louisiana to move to birmingham because he asked me he said do you feel called by god to do this and i said i'm absolutely called by god to do this hmm. he says well you better remember that he goes because when times are tough you're gonna have to bring yourself back to the place of that marriott hotel where god spoke to you and remind yourself that god called you to do what you're yes. doing and it hit me it's like sometimes you got to revision yourself You've got to remind yourself of who God is in your life and what he's called you to do. And I started reminding myself every day that, Lord, that you have given me the mind of Christ and I hold the thoughts and feelings and purposes of your heart. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I hold fast to the confession of faith and I walk by faith. And I mean, i just confessing God's word over my life and revisioning of what he's called me to do. And so all of a sudden, then it got to where I was revisioning myself every week, which, by the way, revision literally means to see again. It literally means a process of rethinking. And I think many of us have forgotten, even in church, who we are and whose we are. Yes. So faith started to rise. Well, you know what, I'm revisioning myself not only every month, but now I'm about every quarter. And, uh, and I'm reminding myself, because we have a choice that we can make, but the decision starts in my mind, not what the circumstances are, not if I'm prospering, if I'm failing. God can, if you'll be faithful to what God's placed in your hand, that's your calling. You know, your calling is what God has, it's easy for you. So if you're in sales, it's that winsomeness, ability to deal with people. If you're a communicator, it's communicating. It's a thing you can do 24-7 blindfold that's your calling. It's in your hand. Many of us, though, have this thing in our heart that we're chasing, and we want to try and figure it out, and we lay down our calling to chase our purpose. Hmm. That's in our heart. The way you get to your purpose is being faithful to your calling. 30, we're fine. Tell him the Bono story. Yeah. Tell him the Bono story. Is, and I validated this firsthand. One of my friends uh, has hung out with Bono and validated the story. But Bono went to a spirit-filled charismatic church, Pentecostal. He and the Edge. Come on, somebody. So he, he and the Edge. I got to do that. He and the Edge. He and the Edge went to this uh, charismatic church and uh, growing up and they formed U2 and first album comes out, Gloria, back in the M- MTV days, you know, when I was... Um, side note here. Y'all, I was a DJ in a high-energy dance club. Come on. That was way Introducing before. Introducing yes. the lead domain. Come, Come on. They call me the plain white rapper, y'all. Come on. It's, all right. I better get back into this redeemed state. Below in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Is, uh, but what happened was is Bono is, is taken off, and this lady in his church came up to him and said, music has become your God you need to lay it down. And he's a believer. And so he's like, okay, they were done. And the manager who wasn't a believer, but he was a smart business person says, well, Bono, doesn't your God, doesn't it matter that he follows through on his promises? He says, well, yeah. He goes, well, you committed to a year tour. And so Bono basically said, okay, uh, I'll do that. But Edge and I are out after that. And so they go through that tour, and in the middle of the tour, the guy comes to him, and he says, Bono, why can't you be a Christian and a rock star? Why do you have to lay that down to go chase that? Because, see, in Bono's heart has always been to help developing nations, to help the poor, the needy, and now that's been relevant through his one foundation where billions of dollars have been funneled to help developing nations, if he would have laid down his calling, his musical gift, after the first album, he would have not had the platform to fulfill his purpose of helping developing nations yeah. with billions of dollars. So what's the point? Business person, be faithful to that calling. Be the best you can possibly be, no matter what. I don't care if you're, if you're serving burgers or you own the burger joint, or if you're CEO, or if you're a lowly employee that's sitting there going, why am I doing this? The spirit of excellence is the greatest witness we can have as Christians. Mm, A spirit on. of excellence is the greatest yeah. witness we can have as the church. But if you're faithful to your calling, it's the key to fulfilling your purpose. Church, how good is this? Can we, can we give it up for Lee?
1: We thank love you so you. much. Thank you. Thank I you. love you. You're stuck with me for life. Come on. Come um, on. Before we end today's service and, and finish up with some worship, um, I wanted to I wanted to just personally say thank you to so many of you literally around the world, many of you through our online church and many of you in, in, in person, but literally around the world who have sacrificially gave uh, to help this mission go forward and to reach more people. and I just want to say thank you and um, to your point we 're going to get better at sharing the stories behind the scenes that we hear and that you don't get to hear. And so before we end today's service, I'm gonna share a story with you. Um, uh, it's a girl named Marissa. And, and what you're about to watch is, so last week we were about to film our online service. And what we do as a staff is we play a worship song and we just walk around the room and we pray and we worship and we just sort of get in the mood mm-hmm. to go do church. And, and, and just kind of helps us shut everything out. And we were doing that. And Andrew was up here and, and talking to the team. And then he you know, w- wanted to make all of us in the room aware that there was a girl in the room who was with us for filming named Marissa. And she gave her life to Christ in a God Behind Bars mm. campus at the wow. Denver Women's Correctional Facility. She wow. was invited there four <laughs> years ago. And last week, she was at our recording service. And, and so this was We just happened to have the cameras rolling, and I'm so glad we did because I want to share it with you today. So this is what happened last week right before we filmed service.
2: Hey, uh, I want to do something a little bit different to start off today. We have a very, very special guest in the house. We have Marissa in the house from God Behind Bars. Marissa, could you come up here for a minute? Can you come up here? I I got to meet Marissa just a few minutes ago. Uh, We took a picture out there. How, 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 long have you, uh, you've been a part of Red Rocks church like four years. for four years? Yeah. And I, I know, uh, I know the past four years have been an up and down battle for you and it's been a struggle in a lot of ways. And can I just like remind you that this family like really loves you and, and cares for you. And, and I know like you, you're facing a lot of stuff in life right now, um, but you, you know the Lord loves you and cares for you, but you have a family who has your back and is with you. And, and I, I, even, I even know right now, you walk into a room like this and you feel like, man, I don't, I don't feel like maybe I really belong here. Um, you belong here just as much as any of us do. And can this, can this moment, what's the date today? The 14th. January 14th, 2021. Can this mark a moment for you where you felt like God saw you and you felt like a family of a bunch of people who, who have maybe lived differently or looked differently, still love you and stand with you and that we're a giant family. So I'm gonna pray for you and just believe this is gonna mark a really powerful moment in your life for you and your family and the legacy that you're gonna leave this earth one day is gonna be a powerful and anointed and gifted legacy filled with God-lived dreams and goals, and so we're going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for Marissa. God, Marissa is the reason, Lord, that you put this church on this planet and in this city, and God, we stand with her today, Lord, and I know that there's a lot of battles, and I know there's a lot of struggles, and Lord, that she wakes up every day fighting the best that she can and the hardest that she can, and I know that probably some days more than not, Lord, she feels like she falls and she fails. But Lord, she's still standing here. The name of Jesus, Lord, that she's still standing here. Lord, that you have a plan for her life, a purpose for her life. May we never lose sight, Lord, of why we do what we do. And God, your goal for her is not for her just to exist and try to survive and not make her way back into, into prison, Lord God, that you have something so much greater for her. Uh, something so much more powerful and anointed for her, that you have a plan and a purpose, Lord, that you have put something on her heart, Lord, to to love people and to challenge people and to pastor people. Lord, that soon enough there will be a moment where she sits with someone who is in her same position right now and says, look, you can do it. You can fight. God has a plan. This is where I was at, but this is what God did in my life. So, God, we love you. We trust you. And, Lord, we give today to you, God. Do whatever you want to do. And all God's people said... Amen, Marissa. Love you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for investing and believing with us. Marissa is just one of thousands and thousands and thousands of names on the other side of your investment, so thank you and know that you're making a difference. And I'm telling you, church family, we're not just gonna talk a big game. We're gonna be the kind of people and the kind of church that leaves a legacy when we're gone. I'm telling you, that's where we're headed. When Marissa was first invited to a God Behind Bars location, she wasn't allowed to sit up front with everybody else because she had a violent past and she would get in fights with people. And so she had to sit in the very back And as she would sit in the very back, she would wonder, do I really belong here? And she would start to get that hopeless feeling of, I'll just never actually be right. I'll never actually be accepted. And I know what that feels like. And I want to talk to anybody right now who you might know what that feels like. Maybe you're sitting in the back of one of our auditoriums right now. Maybe you're sitting on a, a bike. You're on a hike. You're on a walk. You're in a room. You're a million miles away. You're in a different country. And you think, I don't know if I could go there if I live there, because I don't know if they would want me. And I don't know if God would want me. And I want you to know that you are loved and valued and accepted just the way you are. And I love Marissa's story because it's stories like Marissa's and like all of ours that just remind us you're never too far gone for our God. Never. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you're speaking to every single one of us, not just about the life we're living right now, but the legacy that we're gonna leave behind us, the generations that are gonna be changed because of us. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I wanna ask two questions. The first one is this, you already have a relationship with Jesus, but you know God's speaking to your heart about legacy. God's, God's challenging you in some form or fashion to start looking at your life differently so that you can begin to leave a legacy of faith behind you. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm just gonna pray that God will begin to do some miraculous things in and through you. Let's be honest, let's raise our hands. Amen, amen, amen. And the second question is this. You don't have a relationship with God yet, but what you do know is now's my moment. I can't explain it, but I can feel it. I can feel God drawing me right now into a relationship with him. And I know if I'm ever gonna leave a legacy, I gotta first start a commitment. I gotta start a relationship with him. And right now I know it, this is my moment. I wanna ask God to forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. I'm I'm not gonna be perfect, but Jesus, I wanna follow you. If that's you and you know this is your moment, right now, no matter where you're at, raise a hand. All over Brussels, Texas, Denver, God behind bars, raise them up. If you're on an online platform and you're watching live, hit that raise a hand button. We're gonna pray with you. God, I thank you for your. Pur- I thank you that you give us a purpose, not just an existence, but a purpose. I thank you that you're with us. That you have a plan for us, even if we don't know what that plan is yet. God, I pray you would help us begin to be the kind of people that not just, that we don't just live life to the fullest in the here and now, but we do so with such a purpose in building your kingdom that we live a faith-filled legacy behind us. And I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now, literally around the world, in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, let's stand up, let's worship.